Hey everyone, welcome to Gossipin', the podcast where my friends and I gossip while we're sipping. How, what is everyone drinking today? I'm having a glass of wine. Me too, Jen. Cheers. Cheers. Me three, I'm having some Cabernet. I'm drinking some Rosé. Vanessa, is that the Vanderpump Rosé? Have you drank it yet? No, I haven't had it yet. I'm saving it for tomorrow. Oh my gosh, please What's tell tomorrow? me how it is. For it's Friday. Friday. Oh, that's Friday. And I haven't drank since my birthday, so R.I.P. my liver. You're coming back into the world? Yes. You're you haven't out. drank since your birthday? It's not no. safe. You <laughs> <laughs> needed a cleanse. I think we this all needed a cleanse. the wrong time to come back into the world. My dad last weekend was like, do you want a truly? And I was like, I can't. I can't. Your I can't dad asked you if you wanted this. a truly? <laughs> I don't think I stopped drinking since your birthday. You oh were like, gosh. Vanessa was like, I must decline. <laughs> There's two more cases of Trulies that are in the garage that we didn't drink. Oh my this God, just bring time. them next week. Yeah, but just bring it to Tampa. Hey, yes. gotcha. Jeanette, you didn't talk about what you're drinking. Because I'm being a little lame and I'm having a protein shake. But once I'm done with this, I'm going to chase it with some red wine. Because wow. that's how we do. That's how we that's, do. That's going to be quite the concoction in your stomach. Did yeah. anyone figure out what exactly a blend is? We should have made that like our homework. Oh, oh, oh should have been. Let me just Google it wow. right now, actually. We failed our listeners. We did. As I this be the ongoing joke every episode. Listeners? We still don't know what a blend is. Because we're uncultured swine. <laughs> the first question. We're, doing, to, we're doing our best. I went to type in red blend on Google. And the first question was red blend. What is it good for? <laughs> That's a good. Okay. So this is, here's the tea. In the U.S., a red blend is essentially any domestic wine that's not made from a specific grape variety. Okay, I knew it had something to do with the grapes. Winemakers blend grapes because it allows them, in a sense, to design a wine. A little Merlot can soften a tab. Oh my God, a Cabernet's tannis. I'm not pronouncing that word correctly. Uh, and then a touch of Syrah can add some oomph to a watery, cheap Pinot. So there you have it, everyone. That is, I, I guess. I feel um, attacked because I am 100% drinking Pinot Grigio. And not just, <laughs> not any Pinot Grigio. They could have had Pinot Noir. Barefoot. No, what, what, barefoot. What did they, okay, first of all, they, they definitely meant Pinot Noir. The Pino, red yeah, Pinot Noir. <laughs> but also, if Amanda, you're drinking Barefoot. Oh my God, girl. Guys, I'm I am at my bottle. mom's house. She bought the basic liquor. Like, I'm going to send you like, a bottle. Guilty like, knew you were coming, got- so she's like, I gotta get the cheap shit because the bitch is gonna drink it all. I think she got Patrick like a $15 bottle of bourbon. He was like, Oh, we're so-. she's like, Yeah, I can't have you guys drinking the good shit. You'll never leave. It was the Kirkland brand. <laughs> it was not good. So yeah, back to um your cheap wine. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, fuck y'all. It gets me drunk just the same. So Oh, it does. I mean, I'm no just, it's also gonna get me hungover. Yeah, we can't do that <laughs> shit. Yeah, definitely a older, definitely a hangover. Tomorrow's Friday, so they hit different. Thank God, it's tomorrow's Friday, and um, I have summer Friday, so I'm excited. I'm off at one p.m. Summer Friday from fucking working from home. Exactly. <laughs> the worst part is that we work at the same agency or under the same holding company or whatever, and I don't have that. Yeah, 
Oh. I think I'm the short end of the stick. Vanessa, did you say as if? Are we bringing that back? I've always said as if. I like as if. Can we do that? I haven't heard that in a minute. I feel like Vanessa never let it go. She just knew it would come back like fashion. It comes back every 10, 15 years. My word of this quarter is iconic. Yeah. I'm I'm dropping iconic everywhere. Everyone's an icon. Yes, everyone. The TikTok of it's a cultural reset. That's that was that's mine. Honestly, I comment that. I comment that underneath so many people's TikToks. I'm just like iconic, and they're like, "Oh my god, thank you so much!" And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. It's a compliment." And then she tags herself and goes, "Um, go show me some love. Follow her." Yeah. She's like, "Oh my god, no, someone. You should come watch my TikTok." I went viral. Someone literally made a housewives one, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is so good. You should check out the one I made with my friend." And he was like, oh, my God, this is so good. He came and commented because he would look like an asshole if he did. And I was like, yeah, that's right. I don't know if he followed me, though, but it's fine. Way, way to plug yourself. Yeah. Natalie's, like, iconic. But if you want to see a real icon, come to NatCab. <laughs> NatCab 5. What's, what's really good? Wait, exactly. what happened to NatCab 1212? Was that taken? Yeah, I tried, like, all the numbers, and I was like, this is really long. Like, I think I'm trying to, like, rebrand myself as just NatCab, because, like, the numbers are really a complicated thing sometimes. So, NatCab1212 has elevated herself to just NatCab, and who knows, she- maybe I'll, like, the five is kind of sophisticated. Maybe I'll, like, go 23, you know, Michael Jordan, what's up? You know, I never, you, know, you never know where it's going to take me. So, let's get into our topic of the week. We would be doing the world and ourselves a disservice if we didn't use our platform to talk about what's going on in the world. And since I'm the only Black one in this group, why not? It just, honestly, the way the world works is funny. Like It was perfect. Like, not like, perfect, but like for this. It's guy. just a perfect storm. Like, you know, if the listeners haven't realized yet, we go, the hosting goes in, um, order of our names and it just so happens that shit would pop off when it's my week so here we are talking about um police brutality and black lives matter and everything that's just going on in the world and yeah i mean it's a really uncomfortable for me it's an it's an uncomfortable conversation i feel like it shouldn't be but it always has been and if it's uncomfortable for me i'm sure it's uncomfortable for you guys as well as like anyone else that isn't black so yeah um i guess we could just start off by talking about like our opinions our views on what's going on um i myself would really just like to talk about like what it was like for me growing up black growing up in america black and especially like growing up in south florida um being black because even though south florida is majority hispanic and hispanics are considered minorities like the minority is the majority here which isn't necessarily a bad thing um because hispanic people a lot of times have been um, allies to me as well as my family but at the same time um, you know at the same time there has been like racism that I've experienced from the Hispanic community as well as white people you know what I mean like I'm not going to sugarcoat it so yeah I mean just to start off 
I mean, I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is one of the most racially segregated uh, cities in America. I actually read that in an AP human geography book. So yeah, it's a, actually a thing. And yeah, my family, my mom moved here in 97. Um, she loved the fact that it was so different from South Florida, but I mean, from not from South Florida, I'm sorry, from Wisconsin. But I think for me, even though I was, I grew up with people who looked similar to me because, you know, there's all different types of shades of being Hispanic the same way there are different types of shades in being Black. Um, I tend to be on the lighter side and some Black people could even argue that I, the more racially ambiguous side of being African-American. A lot of things growing up happened to me that I didn't realize were like ra- like racially charged or or micro yeah exactly thank you Vanessa microaggressions that you know I've seen a lot of people who also like friends that I grew up with who also mentioned the same thing that you know things like oh you're pretty for a black girl or you know on on my scale uh, a guy saying who's white on my scale you're like a six but on like the black scale you're probably like an eight or nine I mean those are just microaggressions that I experienced growing up and that you kind of like brush under the rug because at the time you're like oh it's not a big deal you're like 13 14 you're like taking it as a compliment to be honest if we're gonna be frank when in reality it's wrong and it should have never been said and should have never been something that was brushed under the rug. But, you know, here we are today, 25 years old, having these difficult conversations. I don't hold any ill will towards people who have um, made comments towards me or have made me feel uncomfortable because I feel like maybe I should, but I don't because I feel like it's a part of like growing up black and unfortunately that's part of like I guess the systematic like racism and and just how deeply rooted it is in this country um as as much as I hate to say it like it's it's very deeply rooted in um American history and yeah I don't want to ramble um I mean I want to open up the floor to you guys like if you have any questions or if you have any opinions on everything that's going on um, I think one thing for you, Joss, if there's anything from your perspective, something that I've seen a lot from people that I'm friends with or even online social media is there is a willingness to, for some, definitely for some, to want to learn more and to want to learn how they can be an ally, how they can be more helpful. Even I've had conversations with other people of telling me and sending me stuff of just like, this is not what it means to be an ally and this stuff is. And so is there anything for you that you've seen personally? And like, you don't, you can go into as much or as little detail as possible, but is there anything from your perspective that has been either frustrating during this time that you've seen or that just some things that you necessarily wouldn't, not that you don't agree with them, but just don't think you're helping move the conversation and the movement along? Yeah. I mean, I think the whole all lives matter, blue lives matter thing is a big one because I think when people say black lives matter, they think that we're saying like fuck everyone else and like we don't care about everyone else, which is 
the furthest from the truth or an actuality. I mean, our culture is intertwined with so many other cultures that I don't think I don't think that's a fair statement to be like, oh, well, why is everything about them? And yeah, I feel like that's something that people could educate themselves more on. Like, why specifically are we saying Black Lives Matter? I mean, in this, in, not in this specific instance, but um, the movement really came about <laughs> because people, specifically Black people, were being killed. I mean, Black people have always been <laughs> killed um, and been murdered by white people or people who aren't black but i think that it's just more prevalent because it's caught on camera now and i think that's the new century or new millennium or whatever has really helped kind of move the movement further probably than our great grandparents and our grandparents could ever hope for because you know it's out there you can't really deny what's going on i mean black black women are literally being killed for sitting in their home watching tv and someone just running and shooting them and it it happens to be an accident like whoops sorry i went went into the wrong house but now you're dead and i mean i'm not saying that this doesn't happen to anyone else but like we're the minority in this country and it's just like why does it always seem to be us yeah, I would say that's one thing that really like is annoying and, and is it bothers me because I have friends of all races. I have friends who live all over the world. Like in no way am I saying that I'm better than you or my life is worth more than your life, but it's just like I think people need to understand that like it's something that's very deep rooted and like hundreds of years of like culture and tension and I think tension is really the 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 main word that I want to point out here like there's always going to be like I think a tension between white people and black people because I mean we were slaves and when you really think about it it wasn't that long ago like maybe what less than 100 years ago so and what Jim Crow was outlawed I mean what like 68 yeah, 68. So like these are these are like our my grandma was what in her 20s when she's like her early 20s when you know she was given the right to vote. These aren't like things that are um new or like it's it goes back very far. And Natalie, I hope I answered your question. Sorry, Jeanette. Um so I did have a question and it's kind of stemming off of what Natalie inquired about so you know i guess her question was what are things that you know you were seeing that maybe you don't support or things that you think are going against the cause or something along the lines of that so in retrospect or i guess in the opposite side of that um i've seen that there's ways to support the movement support the cause um such as you know maybe reading black author books supporting Mm -hmm. black owned businesses um are there any things maybe off the top of your mind that you think you would like to see maybe in your friend group, maybe, you know, in your peer group at work that you think would make a profound difference in how we view black Americans? I feel like a lot of people are like scared of black people when in reality we're funny as fuck. Like 
<laughs> like we the same way Hispanic people like joke and you know talk shit about everyone like black people are the same like they joke around and they talk shit <clears throat> about everyone but like if, unless you give them a reason to really not like fuck with you like from what I've seen at least I know my family my friends like the people I've grown up around in the black community like we for the most part like fuck with everybody um, unless you give us a reason not to and so I really wish that like people wouldn't be so afraid to like go for example not to put you on the spot but like go to like a black owned fitness class and the, I'm I'm only bringing this up because I invited Vanessa to go to a fitness class with me but like her reason for not going had nothing to do with this so that's just a side note I just want to call that out so, I'm poor yeah so like no one attacks her like going to a black fitness class where you know the majority of people are black i mean there's been so many times the majority of the times in my life where i walk into the room and i am the only one minority to black person so i'm very used to walking into a room and like being the only you know black person in the room and i feel like other races are at times like uncomfortable with it and i'm just like i mean like hello that's like your privilege like you don't like you may be a little uncomfortable with it because it doesn't happen to you a lot. Whereas being someone who's black, like you're, we're kind of like trained to know how to move through where you're not the majority. Um, so I wish like more people would, you know, do things like that. Like don't be so turned off if you see like a whole room of like black people in a workout class or like go to black owned restaurants or like go to predominantly like black clubs that's something I would love to see more. And I feel like that's what will keep protesting will die down. Rioting will die down. What will keep the movement alive is if people are like, oh, yeah, I went to this restaurant and the majority of the people in the restaurant were black. But like, why is that even something, you know, that comes to mind? Like when I go to a restaurant, I don't automatically be like, oh, my God, there's so many white people in this restaurant. Or, oh, my God, there's so many Hispanic people in this restaurant. You know what I mean? Like that, I'm like, oh, I heard the food is good. That's why I'm here. You know what I mean? But I feel like it's the opposite and people are like intimidated. So that's something I would love to see more of. And it's obviously a restaurant and fitness class are just examples. But, you know, there's black florists. There's my aunt starting like a candle line. I know it's so random, but she's starting like a candle line. And I'm like, and she's like, oh, I'm afraid to put my picture on the internet because I'm afraid people want, won't want to buy from me because I'm black. I feel like black people feel like sometimes they have to like code switch or like downplay like who they are because people are intimidated or they assume that just because we're loud, like violence is gonna happen or like black people are thugs or like, or, or shit like that, which is not the case. I mean, you know, there's bad in every, there's, there's bad in every group, but the majority of black people, you know, that's just our culture. Like we love to have a good time. We tend to be a little louder. I mean, my family is kind of quiet. I'm kind of in the family, but <laughs> like, you know, like things like that. Like if you're gonna, <laughs> if you want to break bread with us, that's what literally what she said. And it's true. Like black people have so much spending power in this country. Like people love black music. People love black hairstyles. Like cultural appropriation is like 
such a huge thing. You want to break bread with us. You wanna you want to fetishize fetishize black men, which could be a whole nother conversation in itself. Let's be real. You want to do these things, but like you're intimidated by us, like you're scared of us. Like what 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 are you scared of? You're afraid that you may say some ignorant shit and we're gonna call you out on it. Okay, like sorry, you got called out. Like it's okay. Like you got called out. Like don't do it again. You know what I mean? It's not like the end of the world. And I feel like people are just like scared of being uncomfortable uncomfortable around black people because again, like I said previously, there's that tension there. Speaking about that tension, I think, and obviously I have no fucking degree to <laughs> like give credit to this theory that I'm coming up with, but I feel like for such a long time and whether now we know it was wrong, but hindsight's 2020, when Jim Crow ended, the thing to say was like, I don't see color. And racism mm-hmm. was like, or slavery was like something that was like pushed to the back burner of history that no one wanted to acknowledge. It was like the family member that's like the criminal. You don't want to talk about him. He's not, he doesn't represent like, it's like the one you don't, the thing you don't acknowledge. I think it made people so uncomfortable that everyone is like walking on pins and needles until they're not, until it's like such an outward display of racism. But there's that like, well, well, you know, do we say something or like, is it right to acknowledge color? It's it, is it wrong? And I think now we all know like color's beautiful and it's a great thing to acknowledge. But I just think that that like goes hand in hand to what you're saying about like people are intimidated. I think for so long people felt this guilt because there are, you know, like people do carry that guilt. Like there are whites that do feel like responsible, even they, even though they weren't the ones that were perpetuating this racism or whatever, like that white. They're like, oh, my grandma, my great grandma. Right. Or you think back and you're like, people like you sympathize and you like carry that hurt. At least you should. I feel like because of that approach of, well, now we're not going to talk about it because it was such an ugly part of history. We're just not even going to acknowledge that it happened. And like, that's not how you move on from uncomfortable situations, like uncomfortable conversations, controversy spurs growth and it like forces a conversation so that we're okay with the topic like it's a topic we've talked about we've mastered we got it we're okay with it and it sucks that it's a part of our history but not talking about it isn't going to change it exactly I mean I would almost say like and this may be a horrible comparison but like Germany with the Nazis like let's be real the Holocaust wasn't that long ago no, I think there's still a few Holocaust survivors that are still alive. That country, Germany, has done so well. And obviously, there's still people in that country who still hold that that mindset and that ideology. But like, they've done so well at like being like, this happened. We acknowledge that this happened. And we're going to try and do our best to move forward. Whereas in America, I feel like the problem is, is that we never like openly acknowledged it. Like, I can tell you that anything I've learned about black history, or like slavery, or things like that, what I learned in school was like very minute. Like it wasn't, it and wasn't even, like sugarcoated. Yeah, and it was very sugarcoated. Whereas in the Holocaust, like with the Holocaust, and again, I'm so sorry that I'm making this comparison because they're t- both super horrible tragic things that have happened in history but like 
in the Holocaust, they're literally showing you, like, I literally watched the movie where I'm seeing, like, people walk into gas chambers in, like, the seventh grade. And people, like, bodies being piled on top of each other in mass graves. And I'm sorry that I'm getting graphic, but, like, that's what we're shown in school. And, like, in, and you guys can tell me if you guys didn't see that, but, like, public school system for our county, like, they definitely showed us that shit. And like, I appreciate it because I understand like why Jewish people have that like hurt and they have so much pride in their community. And you can argue that that is why Jewish people are so together and they're so about their community and, and they're such a powerful community because it's been acknowledged through history because they made sure that you're gonna know about what happened to our people whereas black people and black history it's very much like brushed over like you know unless you have a teacher who may also be black and just wants to talk about it more you know like, what i mean like you do meet a teacher who who does want to take that extra mile so it sucks because i really hate that there's that tension there like i really don't want it to be like that but I personally don't know what other way to like make and I don't feel like I should have to like make you guys feel comfortable and like be able to, you know, do these things with black people. You know what I mean? Like, to a certain extent, I'm like, oh, well, what am I doing wrong? But it's like, I feel like the world also, especially Americans need to look at like themselves and be like, what did what did you do wrong? Like, you could have. I'll never sit here and be like, as a community, there aren't things that we could have done better ourselves. I will never sit here and say that because I'm not that type of person. But I think as a society, especially as, as Americans, we wronged the Black community because we didn't openly acknowledge and talk about like all the issues and like just talk about the history. I mean, I know more about the shitty things that happened to the Jews in the Holocaust probably than I know about like slavery and I have to go and do that research myself to understand all the and they did some shitty things I mean lynching is just on the surface of like shitty things you know what I mean so like and part of me is afraid to go down that that like hole of like wondering and knowing and learning but I feel like I almost have to because I feel like that's how you have like pride in your your community I guess my question was more of a follow-up in regards to my previous question, Um, (laughs) but (laughs) I was wondering, I know you mentioned that, um, you know, like uh, your number one way to, for people to kind of connect and support the black community and the movement was for them not to be afraid and to go to a black restaurant and to, you know, support black businesses to take a, you know, yeah, black owned fitness class or something like that. And and I think that is a great point that I personally would have never came up with. So my follow up question to you is, do you think that it is homework for black people to extend the olive branch? Meaning, do you think that there is some room to grow from the black community to maybe outreach to other groups, not just white people, just other groups in general? Or do you think that it's up to other groups to take it upon themselves to find places 
that they can financially support or that they can take more interest in? Because, you know, you mentioned fear, like, oh, people shouldn't be scared. So where does this fear come from? And whose job is it to really just get rid of that fear and and turn it into something nice? I mean, I'm not going to say that it's our job as a community to tell you to reach out to you. And if I'm doing the And we're just going to use South Florida as an example, because that's where I'm currently quarantined and where I grew up. So the white, the the white non-Hispanic, because that's to correct her, Vanessa taught me her analytic side, the white non-Hispanic, the his the white Hispanic, and the black business, they're next, they're all three next to each other, right? Saying um, an applause of which is very likely to happen here. I don't feel like the white and the non his the white Hispanic and the white non Hispanic uh business. Sorry, I don't know why I was struggling to find that <laughs> find the word. Business isn't gonna actively be like, oh, we have to target the blacks because we need to extend the olive branch to them. You know what I mean? Like why why and and even when black people and I'm just speaking from people who I know own businesses, even when they do open businesses. They're hoping that it's not only just black people that are coming to their business. They don't want to pigeonhole themselves. They want to get white people to come to their business and Hispanic people to come to their business. You know what I mean? They don't want to feel like, you know, everyone is always saying, oh, well, we don't see color, but it's like the way people act, it's like you do see color because it's like, if you were to go into the Hispanic business and the white business, you may be intimidated to walk through the door at the black business. So the black business, just because statistics, and I don't have those statistics in front of me, and I wish I did because I'm sure they would back up my claim, like the black business may struggle more than the white business or the Hispanic business because as soon as you walk in and you see a black face, you may be more intimidated I don't know, like you just may be like have like some like preconceived notion of how your service is going to be from that black person versus going to a Hispanic person versus going to a white Hispanic person. You know what I mean? So like, I don't feel like net net. I don't feel like it's us, our job as a community to tell you like, hey, it's safe. Come in. Like, and, and no way am I saying that's what you're saying, Jeanette. But like. I'm just saying that, no, I don't feel like we should have to extend an olive branch. I feel like everyone could just do better to try to like equally distribute, you know, like not necessarily think things. Again, I'm used to walking into a room and being the only black person, but I feel like a lot of white people and some even some Hispanic people, you could argue, aren't used to walking into a room and being the only non-black person you know what I mean like I had friends growing up where I went to a predominantly black church and I would be afraid to take them to like my black church because I would be like oh my god they're gonna be scared to go to my like they're gonna be like because going to a black church is overwhelmed yeah not scared I'm sorry they're gonna be overwhelmed that's a better word because going to a black church is an experience I mean the service is supposed to be an hour. You may be in there two, three hours if the choir just is really feeling the Holy Spirit that day. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. 
I don't feel like I should have grown up with like that preconceived notion of like, oh, well, it may be a lot for my non-Black friend to go to church with me because they're not used to like this. Whereas I feel like I should have been growing up. I should have been like, yeah, come on over. Now I don't care. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm like 25. I don't care. But like when you're 10, you're you're thinking of these things at 10. You shouldn't be thinking of those things at 10. But like, again... You just want to fit in. Yeah, you, you don't want to stand out. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to. Because at the end of the day, I'm like, I still got to go to school with this bitch. Like, and me and that person that I'm referring to, we're still friends. I've been friends with her since the fifth grade. But I'm like, damn, I still got to go to school. Like, she may like talk shit about me when I get back to school and be like, Jocelyn goes to a cult. So, yeah. So my question I- is hopefully a positive one. But it's like, do you do you see that there will be a time where this won't be an issue Um, like where where like you won't where you won't feel fear or not fear but you won't feel you won't feel like you have to tell your kids like hey this like you're gonna be you might be the only person that looks like you walking into a room like do you think there's just gonna be time where it's like go walk into that room like it doesn't matter i do i feel like millennials struggled with not as bad as gen z but i feel like millennials still kind of struggled with like towing the line a little bit but like Gen Z doesn't give a fuck. I mean, they re- they really don't. Especially since we're all kind of on the cusp of being like a true millennial and a Gen Z. I feel like our kids will be like out. Al- what are they called? Alphas. Uh, alphas after Gen Z. Alphas. That's what our kids will be called. Kids. I feel like they'll be a much more inclusive and understanding. I genuinely feel like. Obviously, there will be those people always who just have those, like, they're, they're, like it's just passed down in their family and, and they'll mm-hmm. always be like that. But I do think that as the times go on, generations are getting more progressive in the sense, not even politically, like, just getting more progressive in the sense of, like, you could be a Republican, you can be a Democrat, you can believe in aliens. You can believe in unicorns, but like, I don't really care if you're black or not. like, like right. you're my friend. You know what I mean? Like, right. And exactly. I mean, I think that's what's great about this friend group. Like, I feel like that's an example of that. Like, I don't really like people have given me shit. People have a hundred and I will never lie to you guys. Like people, people have given me shit for literally having friends that are Republicans. And I'm like, I'm my family's pretty like conservative liberals like we're liberals but we're pretty fucking conservative for liberals like we're not over here like feeling the burn like super left sorry Jeanette but like, if you super, do if it's you fine. do fine <laughs> fine but I'm just saying like we're not like we I still feel the burn <laughs> we love Bernie love Bernie love grandpa Bernie don't have I, don't I got but that I got them third <laughs> degree burns Exactly. Oh I had like a first degree burn. Literally one of my uncles is Republican. So when people give me shit, I'm like, fuck off. Like, what? Because you you are on that side of the fence. Like, you and I morally can't be friends. Now, there are some people on the right that I'm like, listen, we got to talk <laughs> because. But I think like, that's true of any group of people. There are yeah, your. Because yeah. there's people on the left that I'm like, listen, there are, I don't I mean, I identify as Catholic and there are people that I'm literally like, I cannot speak to you. I have a tattoo. I have premarital sex. I have a couple piercings. Um, 
in some interesting places. So like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and that, and that's my thing. Too. And you're still gonna like, sit in the pew right next to me. So fuck you. And I think what ties to it, too, and this kind of goes off what you were saying earlier, Joss, like about the about millennials and Gen Z and how like I'm also extremely hopeful of just things changing and things being for the better, because this is what we're surrounded by. You know, like we grew up with not even just the Black Lives Matter movement, but like the LGBTQ plus, you know, like I grew up from I had one of my friends was gay from when we were 10 years old. And I've known that, you know, and like that was something that was always that was around me and I think not that it it doesn't give anyone any excuse to be racist or be any kind of prejudice toward anyone else but I know with the older generation which is predominantly the ones that are harder to come around in these times it's because they weren't exposed to a lot of these things and so I definitely think as the Gen Z's and the Millennials move up in the world we all know what this is like you know like we don't know what it's like to be racist for the most part most of exactly. us because we've experienced you know we've had friends of all different nationalities and heritages and just like what you said we've all had friend groups who not even in politics can view that differently but also look differently but also have different family dynamics and whatnot so i think we're just a much more open-minded group of people and like you said before we are not afraid to call people out, you know, and we're not afraid to tell people because I think that's a big thing that we're seeing with people now too, is like you grow up basically just believing what your parents believe. And that's why they are the way they are now. And they just, they've been told that that's right. There's no other way to look at it. And that's not what the younger generation views or feels. I think a lot of us have taken the time to read and learn and meet different types of people, you know, and just emerge ourselves in diversity. And so, I definitely hope and I'm I'm glad that you're saying that you're hopeful that you are also hopeful because I just I really do want to believe that there are good people coming up in the world and this is just, you know, a really, really big rough rough patch, but at some points you gotta get to the other side, you know? Yeah, I just think it's a rough patch in history. I think twenty twenty in general will go down in history. I mean, there's a reason why millennials have such anxiety. I mean, if you wanted a reason, here's 2020. Hello. <laughs> it's me again. Sorry. Why are you so I, awkward? I'm definitely just- <laughs> Because she knows pots left and right. Yeah, you can just know. Like, every I time you? I ask a question, I literally... I feel like I'm that kid in class that sat in the front row and I button my shirt all the way up to the top button and I have my homework ready to go for like next week. You have an apple for the teacher too? Yeah, and I have like, what is that called? Those things you put in your pocket? Pocket protector. Yes, that's what I got, bitch. I got my my Texas calculator. I'm ready. Oh my God. God. (laughs) All jokes aside, this is a little bit of a... I wouldn't say controversial question, but I definitely want to get your input. I know the truth behind it, but I think it's important to hear from a woman of color, from a black woman. What is your response to someone that says, what's the point of protesting? You know, people are out just out there just looting. Like, what would be your response to someone that's saying, okay, but, you know, you're ruining you're ruining our businesses and a lot of the times the truth, you know, we've all been watching the news. A lot of these businesses that are being damaged are in the neighborhoods of mm-hmm. predominantly African-American black communities. And yeah. a lot of these businesses are black owned. So to the naked eye, it seems like. Counterproductive. Uh, w- w- right. Like, what is the point? So 
I'm interested to hear from you. What would you say? And what do you think is the end goal? And, and how do you think protesting actually makes any kind of change? Yeah, I think, and I'm just going to give a disclaimer to anyone who's listening that while I am Black and an American, my opinion is my opinion. My views are my views. I'm just telling you from my perspective, being Black and being an American, whether you agree with it is fine. Whether you don't agree with it, that's also fine. Just let us know if you don't agree with it. And that's okay if you don't. You know what I mean? You can comment. You can share. You can tell me to fuck off. That's fine, too. <laughs> like, to answer your question, Jeanette, I think that's a really important question. I've seen people talk about that a lot. Funny enough, me and my family, and we never do this, um, did, like, a Zoom call with my grandma, my grandpa, my three uncles, my mom, my aunt, and me. I don't know why I'm always thrown. Like, my grandma treats me like I'm one of her kids. So there's only five of them, but I'm, like, the sixth one. So we had a conversation about this because my grandfather owns a hardware store in Milwaukee, and it's been in our family since, like, I want to say the late, actually, I would argue the early 60s. Um, and this isn't the first time America has rioted. Let's not forget. America loves to riot. Everyone's up in arms because it's centered around the Black Lives Movement. And when people say that, I respect you. But to a ter- certain extent, I'm like, fuck off because it's a part of our American history. Like, we literally poured tea in the river for the Boston Tea Party. Like... And what was that? My historians here? Like, what was that? Like, 17-something? 1700s. Yes, thank you. Amanda's good with She lived in Boston. I would hope Yes, Amanda Amanda (laughs) lived in Boston. I passed that trip on my way to work. (laughs) We saw saw the harbor when we were there. She had to take a test before she moved to Boston if she didn't pass. I actually got on that boat, drank a a tea, and got to work. That was my trip. (laughs) Exactly. So, like, and I'm sure I could name thousands if not hundreds of thousands if not millions sports wins that's sports sports they love to fucking riot when they don't win shit and they do win shit and when when they they do do and when we do we riot too like like, they're like fuck it we won a super bowl the the city's over it's going down yeah in no way am i like because i'm not a violent person let me say that i talk a lot of shit but I'm not a violent person. I don't, I, I think I've been in like one fight in my life. Like I'm not really a fighter. I'm a lover. I'll talk shit to you, but like I know how to talk shit to the right people where it won't turn into a fight. I, I'm saying that to say that I don't necessarily agree with the violence, agree with the rioting, agree with the looting. I'm very much for peaceful protesting, but... It's very much a part of American history. So when there's protests, I automatically expect riots. I'm like, eh, there's going to be riots. There may be some looting. It comes with the protesting aspect of it. You know what I mean? That's, that's me. I automatically assume that. Two, as I don't agree with um, people vandalizing and burning down 
um, specifically black owned um, and even minority owned businesses because it takes black people and people of color in general longer to rebuild, longer to get to fuck rebuilding, to even get the loan to build, to build, to start their business, and then you burn their shit down. It takes them longer to rebuild. So I don't necessarily agree with that. I mean, my grandpa's store was vandalized during the riots. That's why I said rioting has been in our history forever. And this isn't the first time his store has been vandalized in these riots. I mean, I think it was vandalized again like four years ago when there was another riot in Wisconsin. Like it happens like every four to five years. It's not something that's very uncommon. Damn, this is a very controversial statement. When it comes to big business, I'm not necessarily saying go burn it down, but I am saying that they'll be all right because they are a major corporation. They will, they can easily rebuild. They have the resources. They have insurance. Yeah, they have insurance. They have the resources to bounce back. Whereas these black owned businesses, these minority owned businesses, they put their livelihoods, these mom and pop shops, they've literally put their livelihoods into these business. So again, I'm not for rioting. I'm not, I am not for protesting, but if you really feel the need and you really just feel it in your spirit, and I really hope you don't feel it in your spirit, but I know that there are people who do feel it in their spirit. God bless you, but whatever. I don't necessarily agree. Can you stop like burning down like the majority black communities? Like, I'm not gonna lie. When I saw the Target in Minneapolis, I was like, damn, I really love Target, but Target also got insurance. So like, they'll be okay. Spinning off of that, and I don't mean to cut you off, so. No, you're fine, because I was done. Um, One thing about, I think looting and rioting, or I'm sorry, looting slash rioting and protesting are Mm -hmm. different. And I think that you start tap dancing on a very slippery slope when you start thinking that they're the same. Like you can riot and loot without protesting and you can protest it without looting and rioting. Um, I agree. And I agree with what you're saying about big businesses. They aren't gonna lose any money. My only like concern are the 16, 17 year old kids that are having their, like that's their part-time job. Where yeah. they can or the mother who's a general manager who needs that paycheck. And Target actually said that like all the employees of that, at least I think, please no one quote me. This is what I was told secondhand. I actually think, I don't, I can't no, remember. It's true. I mean, no, it's true. I was told that Target is pledging their salaries or that their wage while they take the time to rebuild the store, which is great. That's great. But, but if God forbid, or not God forbid, just a, a bad fucking boss or a bad company that doesn't care about their employees because which there are a lot of which there are a lot of don't do that then I naively and I don't know if like you guys inherently know this like I do like to think about like the person even though we can make a bunch of arguments about how we feel on some things politically but yeah I just think to those people that could have gotten hurt or are out of a job now or are whatever, and I don't give a fuck about Target. I mean, I love Target, but like, they're gonna have more room essential, 
um, bistro lights for you to decorate your dorm room the next fucking year. Like that is not my concern. <laughs> the year, the next day. Yeah, like I don't care. You can order that shit online and it'll be there. Like I don't, like that's not my issue. That's probably like the only thing that I think and I, I think back and I go, well, fuck, like I'm not There's saying- people who, who've gone hurt. people hurting people any way you spin it. And I'm not saying that blacks don't have a right to be, they have every right in the world to be mad and frustrated. And I agree with the argument. If you're more outraged about the loss of property than the loss of a life, then that's inherently a problem. A hundred percent. Yeah. If just, my kid was killed, I'd want to burn everything Burn it down. Burn it down. Yeah. But yeah. on the yeah. opposite yeah. side, if my kid was killed because he went to work at a Target, best believe your argument to me lost all kind of fucking credibility because you took a life for a life. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to not do. That's what we're trying to say. Like, no one should be judge jury and executioner this is why we have three branches of government it's a checks mm -hmm. and balances this is why police officers are there to enforce the law not taking it into their own hands like this is why these things exist and unfortunately i don't know if any of you fucking saw the stanford um prison act yeah prison, prison experiment. Like, yeah. if everyone yeah. wants to think about how power can yeah. change and warp your perception watch yeah. that movie it's hard to watch i'm so i'm for protests i'm and i am for freedom of speech it is probably the best thing we have in this country, even if you it don't like it and it's so uncomfortable and it makes you angry. But the moment you tell people what they're legally allowed to say versus not, you you lose it. And it's a line that I'm not going to skirt because I don't know anything about communication law. I just know the little that was taught to me in college. I don't know. And I, I, I know I'm rambling. I really didn't even have a point other than like I wanted. No, I agree with you. I do. I agree and I disagree. I do, and because I feel like I inherently think, and you guys can tell me if you don't feel like I am that person, but I feel like I am that person. I feel like I do think about how my actions or how the actions of people around me will affect, like I think about what I do is going to affect the next person. As a 25 year old woman, I'm telling you that I do think about, okay, this may affect this, and I think that's just growing up and being an adult. And it's hard because I feel like I toe the line and it sucks because I like, it, it does suck. Like I do feel like I toe the line because I don't agree with it. I do think it's wrong. I mean, why the fuck are you looting a Chanel store in New York? Like, what are you gonna do with all that Chanel? Like, damn, I kind of wanted a bag too, but I didn't go and like loot Chanel. So like, I, again, I'm saying I don't agree with it, but to a certain extent, I'm also saying I'm also saying that I get why people want to say kind of like "fuck you" to big business and to the government. Like I hate to say it, like they're like, okay, I feel like the only way to get the uh, the government because let's let's be real, America is built on big business. America is built on capitalism. We are not a socialist country. In no way have I ever thought America should be a socialist country as much, again, we're getting a little political, as much, again, as like some people would think that we would. We're too big to be socialist. I'm just going to leave it at that. And sorry, Jeanette, I know you're mad, but there's like 330 million of us. Hold on, let me finish my statement. I'm just looking at Jeanette's face as I say that because I feel like she thinks I'm a tiny. I'm not mad. I'm literally chilling, <laughs> listening. No, I'm 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 Yo, she, she, no her eyebrow like coughed and it's the same like, face. It's the same face my best friend makes. It's the same face my best friend makes when she's like, 
why can't we just be and I'm just like because we're not like every other country like as much as I would love to have be a social like a socialist country like we're just not disclaimer gonna... i don't want america to be socialist <laughs> no please I'm don't sorry. Come i feel like and i hate on that my social that... media like no, no. this isn't I'm like sorry. south korea oh my god maybe, that one. maybe we'll take those comments out <laughs> that's not the vibe she said I south, korea. south korea but we definitely don't want north korea no we're we definitely don't south korea I mean, no, listen, they got K-pop. Mm, you know, I'll fuck with oh it. Oh my god, almighty. <laughs> Let me be quiet. Don't entice me. <laughs> Again, I'm just saying that America's built on capitalism. We're a capitalist country. And I feel like the only way for people who are protesting to kind of get the government's attention is to fuck up your big business like and it's shitty to say but like (laughs) it's shitty to say and i know like i know that's a controversial statement but like it's it's how i feel and i say and i'm saying what i say and i mean what i say like america unfortunately again i don't agree with it but i feel like to get change people think like okay you don't listen when we take a peaceful knee kneel you have a problem when we're kneeling at your football game because you think that we're disrespecting you and we're not disrespecting you. Black people have been here since the inception of this country and we have fought in every fucking war. So like for you to tell us that we're like taking a knee is like disrespecting the flag, to, to that, I say fuck you. So when people are like, have a problem with peaceful protesting such as taking a knee, peaceful protesting such as going out in the streets and singing kumbaya and saying they're they were singing some funny shit on the streets i mean i think they were singing like bitch get out the way like in new york city i mean like they've been rant they've been singing some funny chants and i feel like that's peaceful protesting but then when we do peacefully protest people have a problem with that and but when we riot people have a more like even more of a problem with that and i'm like you hear about black riots and black protesting being denounced more than you hear people fucking rioting because I don't know. I don't know what's in the last sports team that had a riot because they lost and because they won. But Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. Yeah. The, thank you. I knew it was somewhere up north, but there are fucking riots because of that. And people were mad and up in arms for like a day. And then I got the fuck over it. But people are like, oh, the riots in, in across the country. And I'm just like, we were built on rioting and protesting and burning shit down. Like, why are you acting like this is brand new? Why are you acting like you're surprised that it comes to this? So in no way am I saying I support it. But in the same breath, I'm saying, what the fuck do you expect? I think the the biggest issue, and I don't know, I think Amanda, you might have touched on it, is just like what's going on right now and what all the fighting and arguing really stems from is that people just think all these things have to be mutually exclusive. You know, mm-hmm. so we have to say just because we say Black Lives Matter, that means that we don't go fuck about anybody else and that no other lives matter. And it's like, nah, B, you can all matter, but we're just helping out our Black people now. We're just focusing on, focus on one cause right now. Right. Just we're a just. Second. We, like, we, exactly. we've never been good at multitasking it's like fine. We, right we'll hop over to you next maybe i don't know like you know we we'll had get a, there we, we're coming we had a work, don't worry we had a show support for our gays first now we're on to our blacks and now you know hopefully we can all live in unison 
And then it's the same conversation when we talk about police and it's either all cops are bad or it's um, cops do bad things or the system is fucked up. And it's like, which I also don't agree with. I don't don't believe all cops are bad. I mean, we have so many family friends, again, black person. We have so many family friends, family members who have served in, in the army, all, all ranks of the military have police officers have done SWAT and we talk to them all the time and I'm like, in no way am I telling you like, sorry, I don't give a fuck about you. And they're like, yeah, we know. I'm like, cause you're a double whammy. You're, you're a blue life and you're a black life. Sorry, homie. <laughs> like, And so I think that's the fuck. thing is, you know, when you talk about so, and you know, when people see uh, certain people online supporting the protests and supporting, you know, the movement, they're like, oh, okay, well, my husband is a cop. So you must not support my family. I'm like, no, like I obviously... I give respect to anybody who is a police officer right now, especially out in the protests and in the riot mm-hmm. and looting. Like, and again, they all haven't been good people and they all haven't been doing their jobs. We've seen the videos online, but I also know that there have been good people that are out there just trying to do their jobs and just trying to help move forward this movement as well. So not everything has to be mutually exclusive. I, I believe that there could be a world where we can believe that Black Lives Matter Wow, we also believe that everyone else does, where we can believe that there are bad cops and that I think one thing we can all agree on is that our justice system in general just has not been where it needs to be mm-hmm. for a while. And that's not to say that every cop needs to be fired and that we should just start over for the most part, maybe, but a lot of them have been doing their jobs as well. So things don't just have to be so mutually exclusive, like I keep saying. And, and I think once people kind of get that in their heads, a lot more conversations can be had and change can happen a lot easier than it seems like it's happening now. Yeah, no, what I was going to say is, um, and to go off having conversations, I think what we're doing here is something that doesn't happen a lot, like in our podcast, which is, you know, effective communication. And, And I've said it before, and I've said it to a lot of people, I go, I think the way this really starts to help out is when, um, like when we teach and you know, maybe our generation is good at it and, the, and Gen Z is good at it, but like definitely our own kids, we're going to have to start, sort of teach them how to effectively communicate with one another because communication, um, learning in psychology, communication is a two-way street. It's not just, I get to talk, I get to talk, I get to talk, and then I don't want to hear what you have to say. No, now I get to sit down and listen to what you have to say. And it doesn't matter if you're on the same side of the table or you're not, you have to listen to what the other person has to say. You may learn something new. You know, so I mean, is the most important. Exactly. The most important. You know, part. Exactly. You have to listen. And, you know, great. You learn a thing or two. And I'm not asking to listen and then change your mind. You can there's there's beauty in standing in your convictions and what you believe in. But there's also much bigger beauty and compassion. Yeah. And just like understanding where the other person's coming from. Like, we I have a and empathize and not need to and hold your beliefs whatever they obviously yeah because it's it's being human it's being right that is a close friend who he's a police officer and we had a really tough discussion over the weekend about everything going on and he was giving me his perspective I was giving my perspective and a lot of the things we were going back and forth on and I we got to a point where I was like I see what you're saying and he got to a point where he was like I see what you're saying and at the end of it we were just like wow I wish all conversations could be as mature as this and he's like, Vanessa, I felt like I hope that you felt heard. I was just like, I hope you feel like I heard you. So it's like we have to have these conversations. And I think having this platform and 
just being aware, being empathetic, listening, that's one of the most important things that we can do. I also think like going back to what I think someone had touched on it before, like our kids will have to learn or like maybe as the generations come by, these conversations will occur naturally, not to be a little Mm -hmm. bit of a pessimist, but I almost, I feel like they won't only because it is inherent that you you have to be a very, and I'm not trying to toot our horns here, but you have to be willing to hear the other side to even befriend people that think differently than you. Mm -hmm. And I think that Mm -hmm. we were in a situation where there was an external force like the organization that brought us together that kind of forced us to be friends. And then our political or religious or our whatever views came after the fact and that friendship was kind of solidified because of something else. And then we've been mature enough and adult enough to keep a friendship despite our differences. Because what's the point of being friends with people if they think the same way as you? you Right, but people like to feel like they're right. You don't have your belief because you think it could be wrong and you're waiting for someone to change your mind. You know what I mean? So like, there is that like, oh, yeah, we're right. Like group think where it, you're exactly your own ego, basically. And I think that these conversations are possible and they're beautiful when you have someone that you truly care about and don't want to lose at the end of the conversation. So you're forced to listen because you care about them, right? Because if you didn't give a fuck about the person, you can say some of the horrible things I've seen online about you know, having a differences of opinion. And I'm not talking specifically now, I'm talking about back at the elections or when any kind of controversial topic happens that you're so quick to cut people out. Like you and the five of you, I hope you know, are worth so much more to me than your political opinions. Like Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. are things that we morally agree on and there are fundamental things. And I don't want anyone to think that I am funding or promoting the fact that some people can believe racism is right. And so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like generalized differences racism is inherently wrong and if you believe that then i'm sorry you are an asshole but these conversations can only happen if you are choosing and actively going out of your way to surround yourself with people that force you to think because maybe you find more of an argument in your point and it strengthens your belief and that's also beautiful or you open your eyes and i challenge however many listeners we have five five hundred five thousand go make a friend a co-worker that doesn't believe in the shit that you believe in. You do. And ask <laughs> does that really make a difference in your whole outlook? On- ask them why. Ask them why they believe that. Like me yeah. and Jeanette have different, me, Jeanette and Vanessa have, we are all families of immigrants and we have different perspectives on immigration just based on how, and Natalie, Natalie's there too. And then, <laughs> I'm specifically because my conversations get the heated, the most heated with Vanessa and Jeanette. But we all have different opinions on how immigration goes because of how our stories came to be. Like, mm-hmm. that is, we might never agree. We might one day come to, you know, like an understanding. Who knows? But I would have only ever thought that my family's way of doing it was the way of doing it if I didn't have friends that did it a different way. Yeah. yeah. And you can argue that because you guys are still friends, to a certain extent, there is some level of understanding. When you have friends who think differently than you, you're forced to understand more like amanda said than that person's political ideologies again i have had many people and amanda knows this who have given i've gotten in fights with friends because me and amanda have are are in different political parties i've literally gotten into arguments with friends 
who are on the blue side because they're like, how could you be friends with someone who's on the red? And I'm like, how could you not be? Like, why would you want to be friends with someone who is just thinks the same way as you? Like you, you don't, and it's the same thing with like learning about like Hispanic culture or black culture. Like there's so many things in Hispanic and black culture that are the same, but there are so many things that are different. And I feel like that's why I get along with this group so well, because there are so many things that are the same that I'm like, oh, I can relate to that. I'll never relate to um, my parents being immigrants or like immigrating to America because I, I'm not a product of immigration. I mean, maybe 400 years ago, but like I'm very like my family is very much like rooted in American history. It's hard, but like I empathize and I sit here and I try to understand where my friends are coming from. I'm happy that we're having this conversation today. Because I feel like this is probably the most open and honest conversation we've had about being Black in America in this group. And I really appreciate that, Jen. Just the last thing I'm going to say. I think Pat McAfee said it best. He's a, for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the former printer for the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts. But now he has a sports talk show and he was, he made his statements pretty early on after the after everything that happened with George Floyd. But um, he's doing a show now with AJ Hawk, who is a former Green Bay Packer. And they both said it best, I think, that it's like they grew up in a locker room, which for them was really cool because he's this like white guy from Pittsburgh. And because he went to WVU and stuff, he goes, I got to get to know so many different people because every week we have to fight. You know, in college, it's every week we fight till Saturday to win to make that W. And in pros, it's every day, you know, you fight till you fight till Sunday when you have to go play that when you have to go play that game and bring that W home. He goes, but getting to know those people in the locker room is really what brought everybody together because you have to become a family. You have to learn who, who each other, who each person is, what their background is, where they come from. And in college and pro, especially you get these people that are from South Florida and from the Midwest and from, you know, the Northeast that have to come together and work. And I've even experienced that in my own, you know, in high school and um, in my own profession now, being in the locker room with the guys in high school and doing athletic training, like they do come from very different socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, political backgrounds, any, any sort of background you can think of. Everyone's very different but they're all able to talk it out and come together for one common goal. So how he said, he's like, how do we get that locker room vibe, that locker room feel out into the rest of the world where we can all come together, put aside our differences and come together for, you know, our W, our win. Like, how do we, how do you get that out there? You know? And I think that's just sort of the end goal for everything. Damn, Jenny. Jenny will co-sign us anywhere. Heaven, the fourth (laughs) floor, she's got us in it. And John, you made a comment. You made a comment about how this has been the most open we've talked about what's being black in America. And I'm sorry because we only talk about what it's like being Hispanic in America. And I think it's because there's so many of us, like literally the rest of us. So (laughs) I'm the only one. (laughs) But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. And it wasn't until you just said that, that it clicked to me, like, because I put us in, well, we're all minorities, but there's a difference in being a minority Hispanic and a minority black. Like, yeah, those experiences aren't the same. I've openly, I've, I believe I said this to Jeanette, that there will always be a certain level of privilege that Hispanic people or white or white Hispanic or racially ambiguous Hispanic people will have over black people 
or Hispanic people of black descent or African descent, you know what I mean? Like there will, there will always be a certain level of, of privilege in it. And it sucks to say, but like, it's true. And then above us, still the white people. So like, he's still down there with us. Sorry, guys. But like, there's still like, there's still a certain level of privilege that you guys will always have um, over me. And it, and it sucks. And I feel like I work really hard because I feel like I grew up with a lot of people saying, oh, like, the black card. And I'm also like, no, I'm not playing the black card. Like, I've worked my ass off. And you guys know in this group how hard I have worked I am not a lazy by lazy person by any means everything I have I've worked for every job every internship in every way in life I have worked my ass off I my mom hasn't been living off the system as people seem to think like they have that stigma around black people that were like living off of wealth no like sister Sonia like worked her ass off she instilled in me to work my ass off to work my butt off and in turn, like, you know, you're a product of your upbringing. Everything I've achieved, I won't be sit here and be like, oh, it's because I pulled the black card. Pull, I've done everything I've done because I've sacrificed, because I've worked my ass off. And at times, I will honestly say because I've worked my ass off harder sometimes than my counterpart. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that for you guys in general. I'm saying, like, the people I've gone to school with or things like that. I resent when people say, oh, well, you're saying that because you feel like it's because you're Black. Well, you're playing the Black card. And I'm like, no, I am the last person to pull the Black card. And you even saying that to me is just like a big like, fuck you, because I know and you guys have seen how hard, how resilient I have been in what our five years of friendship. Imagine if you have known I was 10. You think five years of shit is wild? Think about 12, 12, 15 years. I mean, that I'm going to close it out on that because I don't want people to think that, you know, here's this little black girl going off about black oppression and black lives matter. And if you are thinking that, and if you are a listener, like, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but like, check my resume, boo. Like, I'm not trying to be have like an ego or be arrogant, but like, it is what it is. Like, I know what I've come to the table. I know what I've contributed to this country, to my culture, to my friendships, to my career. And I will never, and if anyone ever said to me, that's the best way to piss me off. If you want to fucking piss me off, tell me I'm your black card because I will check you so fucking quick. And I'm going to stop on that because I don't want to sound like I have an ego because I don't. I really don't. I'm just saying this because I really don't want people to be like, oh, she's playing the black card. Because that's like my biggest pet peeve. And I feel like people love to say that. I was just playing the black card. Black people have been too much. I'm like, yeah, we have. But like, I've overcome. And here are A, B, and C to show how I have over and have not let being black in America like get me down as cliche as that sounds but it's true and on that i feel like this is a great conversation just love everybody man (laughs) love everyone just love love everybody everyone love is love gay straight red blue purple alien 
I think one quick thing before we go into what are we toasting to, just please, everybody, if you have the opportunity to donate to any of the online um, bail funds or just or the I know the George Floyd Memorial Fund is also something. I donated to that one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. there are a lot of really good GoFundMes going around to just help the cause in general, to help the Floyd family. Sorry, just try to find like an official one because there are there was like several George Floyd Memorial ones. I actually yeah. found it for this other podcast I listened to. Do your research. Do make your sure research it's not fake. Right. Make sure it's not just someone misfinessing you because, you know, it's still the world. People still. And, yeah. And also, like, love George Floyd. I'm Like, it was really shitty what happened. But, like, there's other people who have also experienced, like, shitty things as well. So, like, do your research, guys. Like, help contribute to bail funds um there are a lot of there are a lot of petitions that are available online for you sign a lot of them that a lot of them that have to do with a lot of them have to do with either charging officers in multiple cases that have to do Mm -hmm. against the black community that have not been charged yet or also um a lot of different laws to be put in place that kind of structuralize the police a little bit more so just make sure to do your research on change.org i know they have a lot of different petitions on and do your part you know we are all in this together and i think that's the most important thing to keep in mind especially during these times and one of the biggest ways to do that is to vote but, like, but not, not just presidential not guys just like presidential but like yeah. everything mayors anyone i would argue voting is more the most important, important than your presidential because yeah. it doesn't it doesn't yeah. work top down it works bottom up so yep. Yep. wherever you stand it, you just go like go vote use your voice like yep. we have it for a reason I know that was maybe uncomfortable a lot, but I'm really happy. And yeah, so with that being said, what are we toasting to this week, ladies? To George Floyd. To George Floyd. To Breonna Taylor. Who else, Vanessa? Because I feel like you just got <laughs> So <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow, June 5th, is actually Breonna Taylor's birthday. Um, so yes. I definitely think we should do this in honor of her and also the FBI investigation that has just been opened in her case. We opened. Anybody and cheers to action being made. Yeah, let's just cheers to Black Lives. And change yeah. happening. Cheers. Yeah. Yes. Cheers. Cheers, friends. And thank you all for being open to having this conversation. I don't know if you guys were nervous. I don't know if you guys were excited. I don't know if you guys were sick of hearing about it. You may have been feeling all three at one time. But either way, I really appreciate you guys really opening up the floor for me to, you know, just talk about being black. You know, it's kind of great. Like, actually, it's not kind of great. It's great. I love being black. So, you know, I'm getting my hair done on Sunday. Like, I'm over my supporting black businesses. My hairstylist, shout out to Jackie. She's a black woman. So with that being said, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate your time. I know it's an uncomfortable topic, but we really appreciate you tuning in and we hope you learn something, um, understand where the Black community is coming from. Yeah, leave us a review, leave us a comment, let us know how you feel. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Gossipin', where we gossip and zip. Ciao.